0: here's what we're doing this month this month okay i'm like a coach you ever notice that like sometimes i come in it's like a rah-rah speech or i get really emotional and want to gather everyone hands in break let's go conquer the world that's who i am that's how i'm wired and for some reason god still uses me i don't know why uh but i really look at scripture as god always preparing us preparing his people for what's next and so for the whole month of september All we're doing is we're talking about the things that we as a church are called to be. That's all we're talking about. We're not just talking about what we are, because here's a little picture that God gave me this week. Really, it was last week. That so often we, we look in the mirror, right? And we get so consumed with the only thing we see is who? Us. And at first you might be like, man, I'm looking good today. And then all of a sudden, you notice like the zit that's coming out, and you're like, "I'm 40 years old. I don't get zits." Or you just get so self consumed with looking at yourself that you always find fault. And I really felt like God saying that that's the church, not the plant, but the church universal, is that they're so consumed with with how they look, with their morality, with with them being perfect. And I had this picture of of God inviting me to say, "Get away from the mirror. Let's go to the window." And see where I want to send you. See what I want you to do. See what I want you to become. That's what we are. We are a church that doesn't stare in the mirror because we will never be satisfied. But we are a church who God invites to look out the window into His world that we could know Him and what? Make Him known. So, the way we're starting off this morning is I want to show you a video, real short, maybe 30 seconds. But pay very close attention to this video because I'm going to have one question for you at the end of it. Okay? You guys ready to play it? Okay. Let's watch. You're too busy. We're all busy. Look at me. I'm composing a poem with one hand, feeding my fish with my other hand, and using my third hand to show you Arkansas's 44 colleges and universities. That means there's one next to you. And most of the campuses offer classes online so you can get your class in wherever, whenever. (laughs) Whoa. wrote this poem in French. (laughs) I don't even speak French. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. What was that guy (laughs) trying? Allison just totally nodded her head like, what the? What was that guy trying to communicate to us? What was he trying to communicate to us? What's that? Okay, what else? What was he trying to communicate? Okay, too busy. Too busy. Isn't it true? At the end, he's like, I just wrote a poem in French and I don't even know French. How much of our life feels like that? How much of our life is just so busy that at the end of the day, you stop and you say, What did I accomplish? What did I do? What am I worth? What do I care most about? So much of our lives are dictated by the schedules we create and how we allow the world to influence us. I mean, think about it. Take out your phone right now because you don't have paper calendars. Take out your phone. Open up your calendar. Your iCal, your Samsung Cal, your Cozy Cal. Uh, Scott Hozier's phone doesn't have a calendar on it. Can you show us? Okay. I think that's like a... What is that? Is that a Nextel? So, LG. Okay. But that's good. So this, you don't really need to hear this sermon. Everyone else does. But think about it. If you look at your calendar, I can tell you what you value most. If you open up your calendar... I can tell you what you value most. And you could tell me what I value most. And it's true that so many people, the vast majority of people that I've ever sat and counseled or talked to, say that they're so busy that they don't even know who they are. And here's what we're doing Today, September 14th, we are stopping for this time to start understanding what God wants us to make priority one. Because what you prioritize first is what defines who you are and how you live your life. It determines how your kids view your love for them. It determines how your friends call you in a time of need or they do, will not call you. The things that we prioritize dictates everything. And all I hear from people in general is I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy, I'm too busy. And I think that's what happens with God too. Is that we're too busy to truly know the window that God wants us to look out into. So I want to pray and we're going to jump right into it. Father God, this morning, we bring our schedules to You. We bring our lives to You. And God, over the last two weeks, Everything has sped up. Everything has gone so much quicker because the kids are back in school that summer is officially over. And there's something in us that tells us that we have to do more, be more, try more, participate more, act more. And too often we do these things in the wrong heart. And we focus on the things that really Don't matter at all. And so, God, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that we would truly know what it is that you have in store for us. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, it is found on page 617. If you have one of these Bibles, it is found on page 617. Now, listen to me. Okay. This is going to be the most important message you hear all year. And this is not a how-to. This is the one thing that I want to really make clear. This is not a how-to reprioritize my life. This is not five steps to to rearranging my schedule. This is not any of that. This is more, I, I was thinking this morning in my time of preparation and meditation is, It's a time out. It's a time out. And each one of us in this moment has the opportunity to to say in our hearts and our mind, time out, let me listen to what God wants to speak. Because I know in this, when I took that three weeks off, that this is what God spoke to me about. Someone that you would think that doesn't struggle with priorities. Someone that thinks that that in some ways, and many of you know this, I don't have it all together, but a lot of people think of their pastors as that. That that they have everything aligned perfectly and and look how it is. They have this, this perfect little safe, comfortable world. And I'll tell you, that's not my life. But I know that for three weeks, really for four weeks, God was telling me to stop. Stop. Because I want you to start something new. Luke chapter 5, it says this One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, and who is Simon? Simon Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Here's the passage, just the beginning, just hang with me. Jesus just began his ministry. It's the very beginning of Luke. He had done some teaching, but not a lot. He didn't even have all of his disciples yet. He was going around and finding those men who would, who would basically give up everything to follow him. And as he was walking around, he came to the town of Galilee, he was in Jerusalem and all these other places. And he was teaching like he always did. As he taught, people would follow. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he, as he was teaching, he saw a boat. And he said to its owner, who was Simon, who also his name is what? Peter. He asked him to borrow the boat. And so he pushed Jesus out into the water. And Jesus taught. Now, it's more than just having a life lesson, but if you know anything about the shore of Galilee, that when Jesus went out into the boat, and here's some historical understanding, it allowed Jesus to almost teach in an amphitheater. Because what Jesus did was He pushed Himself self out into the waters. You had the shore, but then you had hills and mountains behind. So as Jesus taught, part of the reason for Jesus teaching in the boat was not because of what was about to happen, but because it gave Him an opportunity for His voice to carry. For people not to crowd Him and push Him over, but to be able to step back and to speak loudly for everyone to hear because if I was to take this mic off and just speak right here who would hear me just this little group so strategically Jesus went into the boat was pushed into the water so that everyone could see and hear the message that he had to speak and of you know that about Galilee it's kind of a cool little fact That whenever he would do that, oftentimes it was so that his voice would carry into the hills and even start reflecting. But here was a situation. The fishermen, this was midday. How many of you are fishermen in here? Okay, a few of you. Some of you don't want to raise your hands. Fishermen do not fish midday. They fish either early morning or late at night. And especially for Peter and his men, they did all of their fishing at night. They went out in the evening and they ended their day late morning. And so basically they would sleep throughout the day that this was their fishing schedule. And so they would get up and they would get everything ready. They would take their nets. They would, they would line them up. They would go out when the sun began to go down and they would set their nets And as they set their nets, the fish, because of the sun and the reflection and the feeding and everything when it was dark, would come up. They rested their nets at the very bottom. And at a certain time, as every fisherman knows, they noticed something happening. And so the fishermen would lift their nets, pull them together, and take their boats and circle around. But you see, this was a different night. Something had happened this night. Let's continue reading. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Listen to what Simon says. Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let down my nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Stop. Simon was in the corner listening to Jesus. He was cleaning his nets. And oftentimes, when they cleaned their nets, there was... There was a hope and anticipation of of all that they caught. Because in the net were were fish. In the net were were actually some dead fish and some guts and and things that kind of said, cha-ching. But this was a different day. There were no fish. The fish had swam away. And the only thing that he would have been cleaning out was the seaweed and the muck and the clams and and the things that have no value. And so at first, Simon does not want, he does not want to do this. He does not want to have to untangle the nets again, bring them out into the water, and make a skeptical of his trade. Because Simon was a master fisherman. Simon not only made a living for himself, but he had men that he worked with. And so what does that say? That that Simon was really good at his trade. That that other men wanted to work with him and he wanted to work with other men and that they they came around one another and they they made a good profit. But this was a different day. It was almost a place of of embarrassment or humiliation for Peter. Like, I, I really don't want to do this. But if you say so, I'll do it. When Simon realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Peter was shocked because Peter was just in that same place fishing that Jesus had asked him to let down his nets. He was in this place that that he was doing everything right. Everything that he was supposed to do to be successful, he was doing. He fished at the right time that he always does. He fished in the same way as he always does. And for some reason, something wasn't going right. And I can just think of Peter now, Peter Simon, that this frustration was with him like, here we go again, doing the same thing. But this was different. Because Jesus actually stopped him from looking through the lens that he had always been seeing this life through. And he was saying, I want you to start looking at things differently. I want you to stop. You're so busy over there fixing your nets. You're so busy over there worrying about your income. You're so busy over there consumed with yourself that you're just kind of chalking it up to a bad day or, or not enough luck. And I think that's most of us. That for some reason in the summer, we all kind of do a big time out, right? Isn't summertime the greatest? I mean, let's all be realistic. Summertime is the greatest time of year. It's a time for us to stop. And for some reason that everyone puts their problems aside. I've known many people who have had marital problems in June. And then I don't hear from them until September 15th. Literally. I'm thinking like, what just happened? Everything just went away? No, summer came. And so for some reason, they put up with one another all summer long. My friend is a big uh, name psychiatrist, adolescent psychiatrist. And he, we just talked about this the other night. We went to dinner. And he's like, it is so crazy. Once July comes, all my teenagers have no problems. But then school starts and everyone's back in my office. And how true that is, is is how we look at life that, that we determine when we want to start and stop. But the problem is, is that we run into this place of insanity that we keep going hopelessly down into this spiral that all of a sudden one day we wake up and nothing is enough. Nothing is enough. I actually had someone who was a very strong Christian, we would say there's someone that, that we would, I would look at them like, wow, you've, been a, you, you've known Christ since you were like, like born. You were just one of those kids that were like born Christian. Not that we're born Christian, but they were just one of those kids that were born Christian. You know, born, grew up in a really strong Christian household. Went to church like 40 times a week in seven days. Like they knew everything. And one time they said to me, because we were talking about people struggling and people's heartaches and, and this whole idea of spinning around in circles. And they said, but, but doesn't the Bible say that God helps those who help themselves? I'm like, excuse me? Doesn't the Bible say that, that God helps those who help themselves? I said the Bible doesn't say anything like that. Matter of fact, if you go look this up, someone's going to do it right now. Someone's going to open their phone up. I know, I know you have no self-control. You just went on to Safari. You're like, I'm going to check this out. I think he's lying. God helps those who help themselves is the most quoted unbiblical verse ever. Do you know that? If you look it up, someone do it for me, okay? Someone do it for me. Who's like speedy? That's true. We literally, in our westernized Christianity, we believe that the more we do, the more we try, the more energy we put into it, the more busy we are, the more we consume ourselves with stuff, then God will bless me. How many of us have ever thought that? Okay, everyone else is lying. Liars! And we all know where liars go. Okay, But it's true. We literally feel that the busier we are, the more success we will obtain. If I can be in every this, if I can be in every that, if I can do this, if I can do that, if I can do this, if I can do that, if I can have my kids play four sports at the same time, they will make the NBA. I'm sorry they probably won't. They may. But the fact of the matter is, just because we busy ourselves does not make us successful. I'll never forget my one, my one brother, not my son, my brother. And that's how he was wired. For some reason, my parents had some kind of like, like governor, some kind of like regulator on our lives. And, and we're like, we want to do more, we want to do more, we want to do more. We're like, no. But then my brother, who was by far a better athlete than myself, I mean, this dude was 6'3". He didn't, when he didn't lift weights, he got bigger. And when he lifted weights, he got smaller. I mean, he had all the tools. He, and, and as a freshman in high school, no joke, he was in a game, stepped back, and threw the ball over 40 yards. As a freshman, as a freshman, during a play, he had all the tools. He would have gone to any Division One school this boy wanted to. But do you know what happened? After freshman year, he quit. He was burnt out. He was done. And then all the f- funny thing is, senior year he decided to play and he like, was a star of the team. Then he went to college and he didn't play college football for three years And his senior year. He's like, you know what, I'll go out and play. And he played college football and started on a college team after just kind of showing up. Like, that's unbelievable. Imagine what he did if he stuck all the way through it. But what happened was he was burnt out. He was so consumed with everything going on that that he started quitting things. Because he started collapsing. He couldn't handle it anymore. The pressure of life was too much on this poor child. And I see this in this area. I see this even in myself that, that how do I have a governor, a regulator on my family That I'm stopping what the world is telling me so I can start living the way that God has designed us to live. That we can thrive. That we were born for more than this. And here's what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, stop. Stop doing it your way. And start trusting Me to do exceptionally, exceptionally more than you could ever think or imagine. Peter caught more fish in that one time than he probably ever caught in his life. So much so that, 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 that the nets were tearing. And that's what it is with our lives. And, and here's the thing about Peter. Peter was a good man. Peter was a good religious man. Peter had his act together. He even addressed Jesus as as master. He didn't didn't address Him as rabbi or teacher. He addressed Him as master. But still, he had this human governor on him that that it was start-stop. Do it my way. Do it my way. Do it my way. I really don't want to do it Your way, God, but I will because You're putting me on the spot. Right? Right? Don't you hate when people put you on the spot? You're like, I would never do it that way, but because you put me on the spot, I guess I have to. And I believe that's a lot what happened with Peter. And I want to challenge you this morning with something that's something that God has been challenging me with. Because everyone who has been a part of the plant knows that I only speak about what I wrestle through. Amen? Is that fair to say? that I only speak about the things that I deal with in my soul. Because actually this was not supposed to be spoken this week. I had a different message prepared. But God said, I've dealt with you, now bring it to them. We can make God a priority. Sounds good, doesn't it? Right? We can make God a priority. But that means nothing. If you open your calendar, you you see a lot of the priorities you have that my kids would be extremely academic. You could see that my kids would be very athletic. You could see that my kids would, would be in different clubs. You can see, and, and these are all priorities I have for them. But the question is, is, what is the priority number one in my life? Could you look at my day? Could I look at your day and say, I can tell you what you value most and so many people miss God's fullness and blessings in this life because all he is is another priority he's like the giant game today or the jets game what jets no, no, no. we're going to whoop up on you I'm going to throw cheese on your lawn today she's a Packers fan I'm a jets fan No, they won't. But it's true. It's true. We make God a priority, some of us. But Jesus is saying today, stop it. Stop it. I don't want to be a priority. I want to be priority one. Because when you make me priority one, You open a door for me to do more than you could ever imagine. I'll do miracles that you never thought were possible. And that's what happened with Peter. He said, get away from me, Jesus. You freaked me out. Get away from me. I don't deserve to be around you. That's what it says. Leave me. Because what Jesus had done in that moment... Overwhelmed him so much that he recognized who he was in the light of God, broken, a sinner, and who God was, his loving heavenly father. That he loved him so much to bless him. Do you know what Jesus could have done? He could have sat him down and said, You're too busy, you got too much going on, you're failing because you're overworked and you're tired and you're not being productive. Right? Doesn't that sound good? Right? You're too busy. You're too tired. You're overworked. You're thinking about everything else but you're supposed to. Instead, Jesus said this. Stop. Start looking at life through a different lens. Start trusting me by making me priority one. And do you know all of Peter's Peter's life, he saw the hand of God Upon him. And the only time that he didn't see the hand of God upon him was when? When he chose to go back and do his ways. His own ways. The ways, the the decisions he started making again, like he did when he wasn't following Jesus. Do you know what Jesus did? He said, Time out. I love you. I believe Jesus is a manhunter. I believe He's going to hunt you down because He loves you so much to show you how much He loves you. I believe that He is like that, that, that Romeo who chases Juliet. That nothing can stand in the way of, of His love for you. I believe He's like that father That when their child runs away and is lost, that that he would do everything and give up everything and sell everything they have to find where their child is. Because his whole life, all he's saying, or our whole life, all he's saying to you is, I love you more. Will you love me? So we come to the Lord's table. And that's what Jesus said. He says, I love you so much. I'm broken. I will will break myself for you. I love you so much that I'm even going to spill my blood so that you can have life eternal." I mean, God loves us so much that He did not confuse eternity. That He loved us so much that He sent who? His one and only Son to bring clarity and not confusion. Today, God is not a priority. You're going to miss out on what this life has to offer if God is only a priority. But if Jesus is this... You will thrive. You may not feel like it right now. You will thrive. You may still struggle, but you will thrive. And there will be moments in your life where you look back and you say, Jesus, you have blessed me beyond myself. You have blessed me beyond anything. And all he's going to say is because all you've done is one thing one thing he's saying stop making me a priority and start with one I want to invite Scott to come help me over here I want to invite the band to come up and he's making Jesus priority one and if that's what you want to do, I don't care where you are in this faith journey. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you served yesterday or who, who you prayed to this morning. If you want to make Jesus one, that's what this is for. That's what this is for. Because He made you first. Amen? Amen.